This week on the podcast, it's Pesci time. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Welcome, everyone, once again to the Magnificently Huge Podcast. My name is Brian. This week, my friends Chris and Eric will join me for a conversation about 1992 Joe Pesci starring vehicle and somehow Academy Award winning movie, My Cousin Vinny. My Cousin Vinny was part of a kind of lost breed of low to mid budget comedies with big bankable star names that we saw in the 80s and 90s that really don't uh, don't get made so much anymore in the age of streaming. Uh, it was one that hadn't seen for a while, and uh, we're always looking for show topics, so we uh, decided to give this one a spin. Uh, check the show notes for times and when we talk about what. I'm also going to talk about the new tour with Seal and the Buggles, and we get into full-on Star Trek Picard Season 3 stuff, and few other fun bits so yeah check the show notes for uh what we talk about when and uh, as always if you want to help us grow the show share it on your social media feeds subscribe to the podcast rate it on itunes and uh if you want to find all our old episodes or find links to all of our socials you go to maghuge.com m-a-g-h-u-g-e.com you'll find our twitter which is at maghuge and a link to email us magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com you know the drill hey it's another week let's get podcasting Welcome back to the Magnificently Huge Podcast, the only podcast without an introduction. I'm Eric. I'm Brian. I'm Chris. What up, guys? How, about, how was your week, huh? Hello. 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 Hey. Hello. Is this, this is the sixth <laughs> anniversary of the podcast, is it not? Uh, is it? Well, no, we... Wow. We recorded the very first episode on May 4th, 2017. Which is a terrible, terrible experiment and failure. And then we put it up <laughs> on May 5th. And so we've been doing this for uh, over six years now. How did we miss that as a tagline? The Magnificently Huge Podcast, a terrible, terrible experiment and failure. <laughs> well, I think it's just <laughs> that would have been perfect. I think it's I just a You've got the Apple account, Eric. You can change the metadata. <laughs> <anytime you want. laughs> That's we funny. We've been at this for six goddamn years wow yeah yeah amazing isn't it so yeah uh, cheers and and bellies. yet we still don't have any listener <laughs> uh that's not our fault i mean google sucks with the algorithms and twitter is just in shambles so we can't promote for free i mean you know it's got challenges you know what i think if we had done something like some part of this on video and put it on youtube we probably could have gotten more eyeballs Literally, you know, like I see a lot yeah. of podcasts basically have a video show, but I've never been able to figure out how we can do that. I thought of like coming in afterwards and having puppets that would like, <laughs> like lip sync to parts of the show. I mean, at this stage, we were talking about it last show, uh, just, just come in and do AI prompts and just have it <laughs> like do do that for the show. Yeah. I mean. Why not? Get chat right? GPI to, and like feed it our podcast and say, yeah. make video kid, you know, yeah. make <laughs> the technology work for us instead of against us for once. Yeah. Oh, jeebus. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, well. That and, sounds like effort. We don't do that here. Yeah. yeah. And then lazy. look at the podcasts we're competing against. Like we're, we're actually pretty niche. If you look at what's out there, like we're not pretty doing politics, niche. news, or, uh, you know, w women's orgasms, you know, or, or true crime. You know, these yeah. are like the kinds of things that rank. And I got to tell you, this week I decided I'm getting rid of all my politics podcasts. I'm tired of feeling uh, agita over the country imploding. I'm like, nah, let it implode. Call me when the Civil War begins and I'll, you know, <laughs> set my DVR. But otherwise, I don't care anymore. Is this your fresh shit? This shit is fresh. Oh, shit. 
Uh, no, but okay. good, good oh. uh, transition there, eh? I mean, like, it sounded like <laughs> it sounded like your fresh shit, but you know, whatever. I can't tell anymore. No, that was just me escaping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I've got some That's... fresh shit. We can go there. Do it. Go there. Do All it. Right. So, uh, it's been sitting sort of in my backlog of things I could bring to fresh shit uh, if I didn't watch much, but there's actually a new season of it started up, so now I'm bringing it back. Um, show on HBO Max, or just Max, Max. or whatever the hell it happened to that. Yeah. Um, the Other Two was a, a series that I had seen the first season of, and that was the premise of that was it was this this uh, Justin Bieber like kid chased dreams became a pop star, and it was about his older siblings and how their careers and lives I remember were that. not great. Yeah. Uh, in season two, what happens is their mother becomes basically Ellen DeGeneres um, and has her her big media empire, and these two are still <laughs> on the outs and. Um, Chase dreams is not gone, but like they do things where, um, like he he becomes less and less about being a a singer and more and more about being a brand, right? And and like there's one point at which he's being uh recruited to join this ridiculous like modern you know down with the kids church, um called Christ Song Church which has, like, a song they play, Jesus Fucking Slays, and, uh... Jesus Fucking Slays? Yeah. Jesus Fucking Slays He fucking slays all kind of day And you know it Jesus Fucking Slays So we should party in his name Do real dope shit So it's just this, this big, huge takedown of, like, the entertainment industry in general. And somehow there's another season of it that just started up. Uh, there is a another two season three. I've only watched the first episode. Only two have been put out yet. But it looks like they're going to stick with their theme of a different w- member of the family is the successful one. So it looks like the older brother is going to get success and everybody else's lives are going to be shitty. <laughs> <laughs> Good lord. Um, It's... It's a sitcom with swear words, you know, it's, it, it kind of reminds me of Man Seeking Woman, it's kind of got that, uh, tone to it, I guess, uh, in that, you know, it's, it's a 23 minute show, but made for a streamer, so it's, I guess it's an HBO sitcom, isn't it? So, yeah, you, it's there, you can watch it, it's, it's not bad, it's a good way to kill brain cells. (laughs) I mean, you couldn't ask for much Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's it's a show that's got an actual script and isn't a reality show, and you there's much much worse on streaming these days. I mean, um, yeah, we Vince Canby says it's there. <laughs> <laughs> this is all we've got. It's 2023. <laughs> we've been we've been mining the depths of nothingness and scraping the bottom of the barrel since 2020, and here we are, folks. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, make it do. It's not our fault that everything out there is terrible. You know, we just, you know, it, the streaming Roger services Ebert give us says, what the hell you want from me. Yeah. The streaming <laughs> services give us lemons and we're supposed to make lemonade. That's how this yeah. is working. So, well, so the thing I did want to bring, cause I was excited about this one. I did go out to a concert. Um, and the headliner is seal. I had never seen seal live before. And they're touring the basically the first two Seal albums, so the good ones, the ones with all the songs you know. Um, and they, I think they played both of the first two albums in their entirety, actually, <laughs> um, mostly in order. Um, and the thing about those first two albums, and the reason why I think I was so into them, is that they are produced by Trevor Horn. And Trevor Horn is amazing he's yeah. he is the producer behind frankie goes to hollywood and the art of noise the adc evil genius and <laughs> a whole bunch of stuff and the thing is that trevor horn was the bass player for seal but he was also the opening act uh he brought out <laughs> the buggles so i got to see the buggles open for seal and 
That was great. That was a lot of fun. Please tell um, me they, they did not play the hit, though, because that would be hilarious. They absolutely played the hit. Yeah, they okay. played Video Killed the Radio Star. Of course they did. I heard you on the They also played, and what I actually learned from this, and it makes total sense when I think about the the music that was being made at that time, was that for a while there in the 80s, the Buggles joined the band Yes. And Trevor Horn wrote and sings Owner of a Lonely Heart. <laughs> I didn't realize that, but he that's, absolutely that's does. And he did that one, too. Okay. You know, now that you uh, say that, I can hear it. Yeah, that's his voice. Yeah. Yeah. It's like... Whoa, okay, so got to see that. Seal is still an incredible singer. Here's the thing about this concert is, again, I love those albums because they have this really deep production value because Trevor Horn's an excellent producer, and so there's a lot going on musically. There's a lot going on sonically in the mix, and they had a really big band on the stage performing all this stuff there was not a lot of use of tracks it was all pretty much being performed live and my complaint is that it stuck too close to the albums and i'm walking to the car afterwards and i'm like that's a stupid complaint because they recreated this amazing sound live and did it and I'm whining because the show lacked energy well, while they were doing that. It was only when they deviated from the albums that they really kind of hit the next gear. Yeah, but that's kind and of why you go to live shows, is so you exactly. can see something yeah, a little different. Yeah. That's the whole reason they Exactly. Exist. It's like, why not just stay at home and listen to the album otherwise? Yeah. No, unless they're going to fuck it up a little and make it interesting. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, otherwise the show it's is like, to see the musicians. Yeah, because otherwise it's like the Red Hot Chili Peppers at the... Super Bowl halftime show just lip syncing and pretending to play their instruments. Yeah. You know, and they just... weren't lip syncing, but they were so so tight to the actual album arrangements that it it took something away from the live performance. It's only when they when they wandered off where it got great. Um, uh, that sounds like it got a little touring. bit got a little bit crazy. That yeah, just a little. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, if you if you want to see the Buggles live, this is probably the last time they'll tour the states. So go check out the Seal Show. I'm sure there's tickets. Anyway, what do you guys got? Ask for it, bud. Hey. Uh, you know what? Hey, have you seen the uh, uh, the Flash movie preview? Fuck no. I hate to say yes. it. It looks like it oh, might be God. good. It might I'd be s- interesting. And I think because they can go for broke and not care, they must yeah. have known that the whole thing was falling apart by then. Well, that's the genius here's of it. What, yeah. Here's what really scares me about it, right? There have been two trailers. And in the first trailer, they introduce the Michael Keaton Batman. And they do this push shot yeah. up into his face. Wait for it. Wait for it. I'm Batman. I'm Batman. And then in the second trailer, they've got the same shot. He's standing in the Batcave, a little further away from his face. Sort of a mid shot on Batman. Camera's pushing in. I may or may not be Batman. And he says, <laughs> you No, he says, You want to get nuts? Let's, Let's get, nuts. get nuts. While bats go flying across the background during the, the, the thing. And I'm like, Oh my God, how many different ways are we going to do catchphrases with Michael Keaton's Batman just in the trailers for this fucking movie? I mean, here's the thing like, everybody keeps talking about how it's the most amazing superhero movie they've ever seen blah 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 but it's like a uh that whole universe is basically dead for yeah the dcu because gun is james gunn has taken over and they're doing a whole different thing b uh ezra miller is just insane and there's no way in fucking hell anybody's gonna work with him again <laughs> because he's insane 
it's just so many things are just not right about that entire right. product that it's just astonishing. It's a train wreck. And and that's why I'm really hoping it's an awesome movie because then there's so many people who are going to be in such a tough position. Everything about this is, you know, like just just death and we have to walk away from it. There's no way we can do anything with this. We can't sequelize this. We can't yeah. make, you know, a, you know, do anything more with this universe. Nope, we got to we got to make our money and go home. Yeah. Which is so funny because literally the, the reason they make these movies is so they can keep churning out sequels. <laughs> so, yeah. the whole, so the whole idea that they do one that's never going to have a sequel is just, that's going to make it an oddity in and of itself. Right. But the advanced screening, apparently people are like, guys, it's actually good. Yeah. I'm but, like, but they, really? But yeah, but it's not going to go anywhere. James Gunn's yeah. not going to pick it's up like, that piece. It's the same thing with the final season of Picard. It's finally really good now that we're shuttering it. <laughs> oh, God. Eric, did I tell you I did finish that? Uh, no, you well, didn't. We'll have, to, we'll have to come back on that. But you, were we still talking about the Flash movie? <laughs> oh, I was just like, like, I saw that and I saw the trailer for uh, part two of Dune. I am so psyched about that. That yeah. I mean, I've been reading like Dune every year or two since like high school so fourth grade i love that they finally <laughs> made a real dune movie you know yeah and the yeah. the mini series on sci-fi did not count the david lynch one was you know just so pared down that it made no sense this is this is gonna be so fucking tits this is so great i don't care how boring my wife thinks this movie was i love it well i mean no uh, it's, i think it's I think it specific. was beautifully shot. I'm looking forward to the to the follow up. I want to I want to see it. I want to drink it in. Yeah. Uh, uh. Yeah. So that and yeah. I, I mean, not. I really don't have much of anything. I mean, I got heavy right. going. Have you Have you also tell seen me the, about Picard? Have you also seen the trailer <laughs> for uh, Asteroid City yet? The new Wes Anderson coming out. Yeah. That yeah. One looks, yeah. That one looks amazing. I'm just gonna if we're talking about trailers yeah, briefly. It, it's like it's like uh, Wes Anderson uh, got access to the set for Cars and yeah. made a movie there. Yeah, but the fact that everything about it looks exactly like a postcard from some souvenir shop of the era in that region. Mm -hmm. It just it's a stop. I mean, this to me looks like it's going to be his most designed movie to date, and I'm just wondering how it's going to look overall from start to finish. But the trailer looks amazing, so I'm yeah. kind of psyched for that one. Just going to say it. Thank you. Wes Anderson always works. <laughs> there you go. But Picard. He hasn't made a movie I don't like yet. Ah. Uh, we've had this discussion. I don't much care for the Darjeeling Limited, but otherwise, yeah. Uh, I'm good. That's just me. So, yeah. Uh, I guess I should, I should say Picard, because I did sort of just watch the whole damn thing <laughs> um, in between shows here. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't shake the Lucy in the football thing throughout like I'm just waiting for it to <laughs> screw me like because it's Picard and you can't trust right. it right but right. but you're right and it does kind of yeah it does kind of fall apart in the end it's like it you know it's like there's a lot of stuff I think in the end where well what's interesting is everything yeah. since uh next generation went off the air and they went to movies Everything was basically the data show. Everything was about data. And in this one, data yeah. is like so uninteresting. It's great because that means everybody else gets to shine for once. But it is the fan serviciest fan service, right? Like it is <laughs> we're gonna trot everybody out and we're gonna we're gonna bring out old designs and and you know, just just nostalgia beat after nostalgia beat after nostalgia beat. And it was a it was a lot. I called the big twist uh, pretty damn early on. Um, <laughs> they, they, I mean, it's obvious when you look at the way they do the effects and you think about, you know, the season centers around this new character who is Picard's um, secret son. And yeah. there's there's a twist around that character that that is specific to him being Picard's son. And... Yeah, I mean, it was I, foreshadowed pretty well enough that I saw it coming a mile away. <laughs> but can I say, like, I, yeah. this is something I said decades ago, after uh, Best of Both Worlds Part 2, the very end, 
uh, you know, Picard, you know, dismisses Riker. He's alone in his office. And then expressionless, he stands up, he turns, and he looks out the window. And Mm -hmm. they, you know, it's like nothing. That's the way they end the episode. It's like, that's an odd ending. And I remember saying, what if he's still Borg? What if there's something in him that is right in that moment Mm -hmm. communicating back to the hive? You know, it's like, that's what they did here. They said he's been Borg the entire time. He's been carrying it in his blood the entire fucking time. That was like a callback I did not see coming. And I thought, oh, thank you. You read my diary and you got yeah. the right message. They actually they actually did some clever stuff there with with the way the big threat was introduced and how they were um taking over things. I think there was a lot of good stuff in it. It was it was easily the best It's easily the best of these new Trek shows other than Strange New Worlds. I guess it's certainly the best season of Picard. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I, I think I think we're done here. We're, we're yeah. getting old, folks. You know? I had really hoped that they were going to do a spinoff. And like when they killed Captain Shaw, I was like, ah, oh, shit, that sucks. Because Todd Stashwick was made for this. Yeah. They could have done a whole show around a captain who for once doesn't give a shit. He's just like, look, I've got a job to do. Stop bothering me. I, I was like, I was so in love with that. I would love a whole show of that. <laughs> where it's like all these people who are like like arguing and doing all their star trek thing of like you don't understand what i'm i don't care i don't care yeah <laughs> anyway yeah i'm glad i watched it um i gotta get back on strange new worlds they're coming with another season soon so yeah picard it was worth it yeah it's just so much star trek right all right, yeah, it's the a, fresh it's, you guys it's a good time cause... to be a Star Trek geek because all of our stuff is coming out and it's different. And if you're a Star Wars fan, all your shit is sucking. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Who They're bringing cares? back Ray. They're bringing Who? back Ray. Well, They're going to yeah. do another Ray movie because we didn't get enough Ray from that uh, th- that third trilogy that was so. Well, now she's Ray Skywalker. So hey, 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 Ray uh, Skywalker. Hey. Yeah, no. Nay. Nobody cares. Uh, Neither of you have any fresh shit. We're kind of doing my stuff. I'm fine again. <laughs> uh, well, you won't care about this one, Brian, but I, I did recently, uh, because they were on HBO Max, now Max, whatever the fuck it is, uh, they had the first two Dirty Harry movies. So I watched Dirty Harry. Big deal. But then I watched Magnum okay. Force, the 1973 sequel to Dirty Harry. Yeah. And... Jeebus, that is the most insane movie <laughs> on Isn't so many crazy? levels. It's so ridiculous. But it's basically, uh, they wanted to show that even Harry Callahan is not like the craziest rogue cop on the San Francisco police force. So the whole movie revolves around a gang of rogue uh, motorcycle cops who kill like the city's worst criminals. That's the gist. And he's got to figure it out. If you get away with it, they, they come after you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so Harry goes after them because it's all about law and order. But the thing was written by John Milius and Michael Cimino. So like two heavy hitters uh, about to just explode uh, in the late 70s into the 80s. So John Milius, of course, did Conan and Red Dawn and etc. And Michael Cimino uh, did Deer Hunter and then flamed out with Heaven's Gate. And so it's... and. Uh, also, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, Thunderbolt fuck. and Lightfoot. Sorry. Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. Yeah, another yeah. Dirty Harry Callahan Eastwood uh, movie guy. So it's, yeah, so it's just, it's got this weird pedigree. And then Lalo Schifrin did the music, who did all of, like, you know, Mission Impossible and all that stuff. I mean, he's, he's bullet. just... Bullet. Uh, but the thing that I was, I totally forgot was that the actors who play the rogue cops uh you've got david soul from starsky and hutch you've got tim matheson uh who you know otter from animal house etc and then robert urick dantana uh all show up in early roles as these like rogue cops and they're like young guns bucking for harry and the whole nine yards and it's just the craziest movie because literally it's just like like faceless cop like track the boots and then he just blows away somebody uh, like there's one where he just walks up to this pool party in the middle of like the suburbs somewhere with the desert, 
landscape in the back, and he just literally machine guns everybody <laughs> to death on this pool. I mean, it's like, this is the craziest thing I've seen in I don't know how long. I mean, it just, because I just recently seen Death Wish, and it was just sort of like, ho-hum, whatever, oh. But this one, I was like, holy crap, this is two hours of literally just people getting shot and murdered and killed and then Clint yeah. Eastwood coming across as like the most reasonable person in the entire movie I mean it was just astonishing <laughs> I remember this being on like TV like the ABC movie of the week or whatever and they would edit nothing because there's no titties that's the only thing they edited out in the 70s they would show uh, yeah. all of Godfather and watch Sonny getting shot at the crosswalk like it was yeah, yeah. nothing just don't show boobies well this one they, they would have had to cut out because uh, one of the victims at the pool party is a uh, young Suzanne Summers, who actually is topless briefly before she gets shot to death. So that's like two Dirty Harry movies in a row where women get shot in pools by the killers. It's just, yeah, it's just the crazy thing. followed by the Deadpool, strangely enough. That was yeah, a later one, yeah, yeah. That was a later <laughs> one. Uh, but yeah, just rewatching this, just I'd totally forgotten so much about it, and it was just crazy. But his partner, who he gets in this one, because in the first Dirty Harry movie, it's, uh, oh, what's his face from, uh, oh, God damn it, I forgot his name. It's uh, the guy who played Poppy in the Seinfeld movies. He was in Cobra. Rini Santoni was his partner in that one. And then the running joke in the Harry Potter, or the Harry Callahan movies, Dirty, Dirty Harry, Potter. Harry Potter, uh, is that Harry Potter. Dirty yeah. Harry Potter. Dirty oh Harry my God, Potter. that's a series. Yeah. <laughs> but, but the running joke in these is that his partners never last. Uh, and his partner in this one uh, is the guy that ended up playing the, like, the milk toast executive uh, in Robocop, who was always like sucking up to uh, Jose Ferrer and the whole thing. <laughs> I couldn't place him the entire time. I was like, why does he look so familiar? And then it just struck me as like, holy shit. That's Johnson from yeah. <laughs> RoboCop. It was just like, everything about this movie just made my head explode, like, repeatedly. <laughs> it was so dumb. <laughs> so, that's, yeah, that's how I spent my day, watching Magnum Force. Uh, nice. So I think the Enforcer is next, if I remember correctly, the one with Tyne Daly. Yeah. And the rocket yeah, launcher on, on Alcatraz. Alcatraz. Yeah. So, looking forward to that. They're, those are fun movies. They're really underrated. I think they're, like, a little too cops are always right republican nonsense but right if you can get past that they're they're super fun i think well, that's also why deadpool is such a fun movie because they're making fun of the whole thing well you can that you can, is a parody uh dirty harry movie yeah well i mean you can tell the worm is sort of slowly turning in this as eastwood's taking more control because it's like he he made a point to like do because i guess this was the treatment for the first dirty harry movie but uh the director of that one just hated it and it was written by terrence malick based on an idea by john milius so it's like all these like weird names keep cropping <laughs> up from the 70s uh scene and film but eastwood liked it so they did it for this one and it was basically to make a counterpoint where yeah dirty harry is he's kind of a rogue cop but he's definitely not the biggest asshole <laughs> rogue cop in the entire department yeah, within so wanted, reason he yeah. still follows the rules yeah. yeah so it's just it's just funny but uh, the whole idea that there's five of these movies just astonishes me. But whatever. <laughs> so there you go. I, I'm always a little gacked out, though, at Magnum, uh, um, uh, Sudden Impact. Because it's like, okay, uh, my, my, you know, my spouse, wife, girlfriend, wife, whatever you want to call Sandra Locke, right. she's going to be the lead. And uh, we're going to gang rape her. What? Yeah. <laughs> well, you. I mean, I mean, it's Dude. like when he when he cast her in the gauntlet, and she's basically a hooker who he's got to get back to L.A. or to Phoenix. To, who also gets raped. <laughs> yeah. So you know, it's kind of weird. Rape. Kind of weird. Kind of weird. <sighs> Clint Eastwood. Yeah. What a guy. What are you gonna do? Uh, <laughs> I think I think they said he's dying. Right. Nobody's seen him in a while, and he's. Well, I think uh, you just have to ask yourself one thing: Do you feel lucky? Do no, you? not like ever. I've never <laughs> felt lucky as <laughs> a child. So there you go. Dirty Harry Potter. Eric, did you have any other fresh shit or are we good? Nah, we're good. Oh, we good. Okay. Oh, we good. Thank you. On with the show. <laughs> <laughs> it was, hey, my uh, turn to pick a to pick a show topic. 
And I'm trying to find movies that are watchable by all three of us, given what we do and don't subscribe to. And yeah. I had a list of about four, and everybody hated all of them. But the one we hated the least was My Cousin Vinny. <laughs> right. A I mean, study in uh, how it's okay to make fun of stereotypes if they're of white people. Yeah, oh, I mean, you know, so, let's, let's make fun of the South. It's a big target. Yeah, yes. let's go from there. Well, I think it's <laughs> funny that you, you chose this one, Brian, just as a, as a sidebar, because it's written by a guy named Dale Lawner, uh, who has a brief career, but he wrote Ruthless People, Blind Date, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, and this, My Cousin Vinny. And one of your picks that you tried to define was Ruthless People, but it wasn't I still want to do Ruthless yeah, People. Yeah, yeah so, Ruthless People's an underrated gem. Yeah, so, so there you One go. of these days we'll get to that once it's streamable. But My Cousin Vinny. My Cousin Vinny was a 1991 uh, Joe 92. Pesci vehicle, 92. of all things. Um, they just run down the plot real quick here. Uh, Ralph Macchio is Joe Pesci's nephew. Cousin. And he's are they cousins? Yeah, uh, yeah I guess so, huh? It's, Cousin. In, it's in the title. And, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, <laughs> this is the quality of show you've signed up for, people. Welcome yeah. to Magnificently Huge Podcast. Uh, um, Ralph Macchio is a kid who comes from New York and he's decided that he wants to get out of the city and go to college in the South. And so he and his buddy are driving off to school in some backwater is it Alabama we're supposed to be in? I yeah, don't even yeah, remember. Alabama. Um and uh they go to the to the convenience store and he accidentally, because he's afraid of dropping things, shoplifts a can of tuna, and when he gets pulled over by the cops a few minutes later, assumes that he's getting a harsh punishment for shoplifting, and he's actually been mistaken as a murderer of the cashier of the uh whatever the thing was called, the Quickie Mart, basically. Um, and so he needs a lawyer, and the only lawyer he can afford is his cousin, who is a lawyer who's really just a, a personal injury lawyer who's never done a, a, tra a, a trial. And Joe Pesci comes to the South with his big, fat New York Italian attitude, and hijinks ensue when the city mouse comes to go into court with the country mice. <laughs> And yeah. uh, more importantly, he brings along with him his fiance, uh, who oh for God's sakes, I've been talking and I can't I can't brain now. Marissa Tomei. Um, um, uh, Marissa Tomei. This is like Marissa Tomei's star making turn. This was like what put her on the map was my cousin Vinny. And rewatching it, I think we can see why. But anyway, that's the plot of the movie. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I, think like the uh, IMDb uh, description of this should just be uh, Leo Getz defends the Karate Kid <laughs> under <yeah>. the <laughs> under the auspices of Judge Herman Munster in Alabama. I mean, that's the that's the whole movie in a nutshell, right there. So this is that period of weird period of time when Joe Pesci was a culturally big deal. You know, yeah, this right. is like peak Pesci time. Like yeah. Home Alone was the year before, the and super we're. Oh, and God. Goodfellas was right around that time too. Well, he had, and and he, yeah, this yeah, and he, 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 you know, there's a lot of Pesci going on at this point in time. Yeah, because he had done Lethal Weapon two, Goodfellas, Home Alone, and then My Cousin Vinny was just on the heels of all of that. I think he got cast in My Cousin Vinny while he was still filming Goodfellas, and so it all kind of just worked out in his favor. But it's not his first comedy. I mean, he had done Easy Money with. Uh, What's his face? Hey, uh, Rodney Dangerfield, like eight years earlier or whatever. So, you know, it was just him having a little bit of a fun. lot of stuff unmemorably, though. It's yeah. like I didn't know he was in Raging Bull until like Joe Pesci was famous and I could recognize him. <laughs> okay, fair enough. But yeah, the, the, but this whole thing is like you say, it's 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 creaky. I think the only reason that it holds up today is because apparently it's one of the finest film examples of how litigation in a trial operates. Because they don't teach you that in <laughs> law school, apparently. So they show, they still to this day, from what I understand, show this in law school on how to litigate in a trial. And it's like, 
Are you really? fucking crazy? Are you kidding me? People are paying all that money to go to law school and they don't even teach them how to like operate in a courtroom? <laughs> it's like, that's insane. Uh, that's because American students you know, are too stupid and they just show them TV all the time like they do in high school. Yeah. Like it never stops. Well, there you like go. Like this or Harry and the Hendersons, you know, it's well, I, just I a think, movie. Well, I think they, they do it well, and I think it's because the director, Jonathan Lynn, who had been coming off of movies like Clue uh, and such, he, he was an Englishman, but he, was a, he studied law at Cambridge, and so he brought all of that in. So it's like this weird, like, yeah, it's a funny high-concept movie, but we're going to totally nail all of the legal stuff just because <laughs> it's like they could have just thrown it all out the window and it wouldn't have mattered but they they somehow wanted to stick it so it's just a strange beast uh, but it does kind of hold up doesn't it i mean we a little bit one of the the repeating themes on the show is that comedy you know the shelf life of comedy is not long and and usually these things are products of their time the the movie other than marissa tomei's fashion statements the movie really doesn't <laughs> And I guess the nature of used vehicles that you might drive at the time. Hey, nothing else about it is necessarily rooted in its time period, right? It's right. okay, and just the total casual sexist. Never mind. It it's totally a product of its well, time, but for yeah. whatever reason, it didn't get like cringy over time. I mean, the only borderline one is when Austin Pendleton is the the DA defender, and he's got. The nervous speech impediment where he stutters apparently like he had a stutter when he was a, a young man and so that was not comfortable for him but they kept it in oh but it's like oh oh, oh but it's not it's not appropriation because you got an actual stuttering actor to do it so i guess oh, sorry but it's just oh. yeah so it's stuff like that <laughs> that just seems a little bit borderline but you know i mean when it came when the movie came out i just like it was in on par with every high concept comedy of the day, like city slickers or whatever. It's like you just went because it's, you know, what else are you going to do? And it was actually not bad. But I think it, it like most of the stuff from the time, it, it was a moderate hit, but then it found its, its shelf life at the video store. And that's the reason that we remember it today. Because otherwise, I don't think it would have lasted unless everybody was renting. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. It's a movie I've just, I don't get. Like, I don't get the appeal, I guess. I watch it and I go, this is just boring and not funny. And I think it's because, yeah, we're, we're, we're playing with country mouse, city mouse stereotypes that no one gives a shit about. Yes, yeah. I don't. I, mean, I, I think the movie primarily still holds up because of Marissa Tomei. Um, and specifically two things. One, she's just smoking hot at, and still is, but. I mean, she was very smoking hot in this movie, but uh, two, Joe Pesci's character is a complete asshole to her, right? Like, he, he's dismissive, he's like, shut up with your whining, you woman, I don't need your help, I need to do the thing, and, and she keeps putting him in his place, and she's doing it uh, with, this, with this exaggerated, you know, character, but it's, it's lots of fun when she pops off, like, she's... She's giving him shit about uh, he's going to go hunting with the prosecutor. Yeah. And she's like, oh, yeah, like, imagine you're a deer. You're just a cute little deer. And then all of a sudden, bam, fucking bullet in your head. You know, and like <laughs> shit like that. Um, <laughs> when she when she pulls those deliveries, I think she uh, she elevates the movie. Yeah. Uh, and she's got a few scenes like that. Well, it's well, that's exactly the reason that she probably won the Best Supporting Actress Oscar. Which they never give. Oh God, she did, yeah, didn't she? They never yeah, give that shit. to people for comedy. So just the fact that she pulled off that coup is just in and of itself astonishing. Because they don't treat comedy the same way that they do drama when it comes to the film academy. I mean, it's just they don't care. And so it's like I, I watch a comedy and I, if something's good and they make it look effortless, effortless that's to me a sign of a solid actor. Because that's hard. I mean, it's true. Comedy is hard. And so they should reward it more. But the fact that they gave it to her, and this is on the heels of giving it to, uh, what's his face for City Slickers, uh, as the as Curly Jack Palance. Jack Palance, yeah. <laughs> so it was like a weird time in the early '90s when it was like, oh well, fuck it, all rules are gone. Let's just give it to the comedy people. 
But yeah. She's Whoopi a, Goldberg for Ghost. Yeah, Does exactly. Yes. <laughs> exactly. It was a weird time is what wow. we're saying. Wow, what was going on at the Academy in the early 90s? I what the know. hell? Maybe they were just doing a bunch of blow. I think it was maybe. a way of rewarding the commercial movie. Yeah. It's like we, we do these Academy Awards and it's all about art and yeah, whatever. But, you know, we need to, we, we're here to make money. Can we have a, an award for the movies that make money, please? <laughs> Thank you. Seriously. Uh, so that probably helped put it on the map too, just her getting the Oscar. But the, the thing that always sticks with me, and it always has, is just the, the creepy age difference between Vinny and Mona Lisa. Because he's like 20 years well, older than her, and it's just that, whenever yeah, I see that... Yeah, that's like every couple I, for like most of Hollywood, I know, right? but it just bothers <laughs> me every time I see it, because it's just, why is she with him? I don't get it, you know, it's that kind of thing. I figured... They were trying to trying to say that he was playing younger than he was, right? Because yeah. it wasn't my uncle Vinny; it was uh, my yeah. cousin Vinny. Yeah, but it didn't work because you know he was. Well, and she no. makes a biological clock reference, so she's she's trying to say she's like early thirties. Yeah, as this character, but right? They're trying to bridge the gap, as it were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was I was trying to see them as both in their thirties yeah. somewhere. But I yeah, but I like Which, her character because she's got that stupid little pink uh, Kodak camera. And she's always taking the pictures, but then she's got the that Bronx accent, and she's always busting the show. Oh my God, would it fucking kill you? Oh, you know, it's that kind of thing. And so it, it could wear thin if it was done by anybody else, but because it's Marissa Tomei, it works. Right. You know like what I mean? Rosie Perez, and I would have wanted to claw my ears yeah, out. Yeah, you're so stupid, Marissa Billy. Tomei. You're so stupid. <laughs> yeah. Like she just, when I watch White Men Can't Jump, I just want to <laughs> punch Rosie Perez because yeah. it's just like, God damn it, shut up. But yeah. <laughs> but in this one, it's fine. I don't know. <laughs> so there's a. There's two scenes in this movie, one of which the entire plot hinges on, um, that are both sort of the threes comedy, uh, threes, threes company form of comedy, uh, which is the, the characters are having a conversation and there's a fundamental misunderstanding. And so they're having two different conversations. You know, right. One is the interrogation scene where Ralph Macchio thinks he's being interrogated yeah. for stealing a can of tuna and the, the cop thinks he's interrogating him yeah. for murder. You, and that's and when the you other killed the is clerk. The scene, <laughs> I killed the clerk. Yeah. I killed the clerk. Yeah. <laughs> and the other is the scene where Vinny is introducing himself to the other, you know, roommate guy in prison. Yeah. And the whole setup is, you know, uh, you're going to have to put up with me as your lawyer. And he thinks it's, uh, I'm going to, you know, butt rape you in prison. Yeah. Um, Wasn't that funny? <laughs> Wasn't that funny? Oh, oh, oh. Those... Oh. I'm trying to decide whether or not those are good comedy scenes, because on the one hand... <laughs> no. <laughs> hey, rape is always funny, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But on the other hand, that that general structure, right, of a joke, of the, of the misunderstanding, Well, I yeah. think it does it does still work. It's just... You know the premise is you're, this guy wants to butt rape you. So well, but it's it's all of a part of the actual script as a whole because it's that whole thing is set up as sort of a farcical, like misperception of facts. And so like with the interrogation where Ralph watches, like I killed the clerk, I killed the clerk, and they take that as a, a confession, whereas he's just like, what the fuck is going on? Uh, and then on down the line, like when Vinny is talking to the judge. Uh, played by Fred Gwynn, a.k.a. Herman Munster. Uh, and he's trying to get his bona fides as a, as a lawyer, and he keeps feeding him a bunch of bullshit uh, and whatnot. And so that sort of trails him through the whole movie as well, where he's always trying to, to stay one step ahead of the judge. So it's, you know, I mean, it's just, it's high concept, just rat-a-tat-tat, plot after plot. So it's just, that's what you get when you, when you do a movie from this particular time uh, in Hollywood. It's just, that's, that is what it is. So, I don't know. Did they fall flat? Yeah. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> but what are you gonna do? Eric's just like, are we done yet? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I it can... is tough when you, like, are aggravated by the, the material we're covering. <laughs> I mean, so from the get-go, you've just hated this movie, is what I'm hearing. Yeah. I've always hated this movie. Like, I, I, the first time I saw it, I was like, what the fuck is going on? And 
Well, I, I, I guess the thing is, all these guidos I've had to run into in my life, yeah. and I don't like them then either. I find no oh. no charm in this kind of shit. I, yeah. you know, I, yeah. Well, I, Eric's the Italian on the show. Yeah. That, make, that makes a difference. I mean. Maybe. It is what it is. Well, I mean, he's not <laughs> in singled out company here. I mean, the movie came out and just got sort of mediocre reviews. I mean, it just, it didn't light mm. the thing on fire. So when it hit video, I think is where it it, it went on. Because and I think yeah. Roger Ebert actually said that uh, this is the actual this is the type of movie that's actually made for video audiences because it's just not hmm. not good for for cinemas. Uh, and he nailed it. Yeah. So it definitely found a second life later. Uh, but the fact that I, Marissa Tomei goes on and wins the award and it's like okay, so there's there's a veneer of credibility, but. Yeah. You know, what are you going to do? But I would say, imagine for a moment, white people made a movie called uh, My Cousin Lamar, and it was about a <laughs> black guy who acts very, 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 very stereotypically black for an entire movie, and that's the funny part. It's well, like, you're, you're going to cringe a bit, you know? Well, <laughs> like yeah. A bit. Well, I mean, I'll point you to the, the actual development of this movie. Uh, so for casting... The studio originally wanted to get Andrew Dice Clay as Vinny. Could you imagine that fucking movie? <laughs> oh God! <laughs> like, that would have been really funny because he actually makes fun of that that whole yeah. you know Guido stereotype thing. Yeah, you know, being a At Jew, least he's he can somewhere do that. near Marissa Tomei's age. I guess. But, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it's... I looked it up by the way. Twenty-two years between those two. Yeah, exactly. Pesci is eighty now. She's fifty-eight. So she's still the hottest Aunt May, but whatever. Yeah, uh, by yeah, a no lot. Doubt. Yeah, but uh, but then other people that were considered for Vinny were like Danny DeVito, Peter Falk. I would have loved Peter Falk in that role. Holy Jesus! But he would have been way too old as well. Uh, and then you had De Niro, which you know Pesci De Niro. That's gonna be the one-two punch for like a bunch of stuff because of the things they've done together. And then like Jim Belushi, like you put Jim Belushi in there, that movie's tanking faster. <laughs> than anything because it's like good lord why would you do that uh yeah but apparently none of them were uh the italian american quote unquote that they wanted <laughs> so they got joe pesci who had just finished uh lethal weapon 2 and goodfellas so they said these are man but for mona lisa they were gonna get lorraine brocco at one point and i'm like these are terrible oh. casting decisions what in the <laughs> fuck is wrong with you people so i just couldn't imagine what that was it but what made me think of this for you eric is that the the two guys in jail who ended up being ralph macchio and the nameless fellow who we forget uh they were at one point had considered ben stiller and will smith but <laughs> but there were apparently there were concerns Whoa. that that it, uh the incarceration of a Jewish guy and a black person in the South would not play well <laughs> for the particular. <laughs> so, so that got scrapped. But I was like, "Holy crap! Oh, God. Holy crap!" So it is a world gone mad, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it definitely plays like a weird uh, hillbilly cousin to something like in the heat of the night. I think it's what they yeah. were trying to go for. So at at times it almost clicks, but it. It's always just been sort of this, like, I don't know, cuddly little movie that tries, but I've never been, like, a huge fan. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting idea. Do, like, you know, remake My Name is Mr. Tibbs, but, you know, do it where he's a complete douchebag. <laughs> you know? That's I mean, basically what this is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. It's, it's, it's doable. I think my favorite running gag in the whole thing... And I don't know if you had this in your notes, Brian, because it's just one of the flow throughs, but it's the part where uh, Marissa Tomei's character tries to get more money since they keep spending it on bail because mm -hmm. he keeps getting uh, set up for uh, contempt, contempt court, and whatnot because yeah. he's, he's learning the ropes. So she loses or she wins $200 hustling pool, but then the guy won't pay her. So then Vinny goes to collect and there's like a whole running gag about the thing where he just talking circles around the guy. Uh, until he's got the money, and then when he finally does have the money, like Joe Pesci just hauls off and socks him, and then takes it, and yeah. that's like the end of the joke. But it's just like slow build through the entire 
movie that it's like oh. this is like a throwaway. Uh, I mean, it, it's also you know Joe Pesci who's like five feet tall and this guy's like six five, right? Yeah, yeah. And so he has to like Yoda punch the guy. He has to like, <laughs> jump, yeah, like, he, like he's yeah, lift the, the glass Joe and punch out and, like hit him in the chin. And, That's uh, an apt description for it too. Exactly. Yeah. Um, oh, perfect. <laughs> but but I think it also helps to set up Vinny as a character. Uh, you know, trying to talk his way through everything and so like he's talking to the guy in the pool hall and it's one of my favorite bits because in the background there's another big glug with this like giant neck brace who's been playing oh, pool yeah. and he's like looking and every now and then Vinny just stops and he's like did you do you okay did you uh, get anything for that yet and he's like no and then he like goes to talk is that home at, or, or like, you're at work yeah, do like, the, or your place at somebody else's place my place uh, never, that's too bad yeah never yeah. mind yeah <laughs> <laughs> and he was so you kind of get an idea that, that Vinny for all of his, uh, like, outward uh, fish-out-of-water elements, he's actually a very shrewd talker and is perfect for this case. And so I like the little subtle details like that that they do with the script. But uh, it's just, it's still a little bit too, oh, aren't we down in the south that everybody's a fucking hick and ha-ha-ha-ha-ha. I mean, it's just like, it, it plays weird. So it's, I don't know, sometimes I like it and sometimes I don't. I think I'm in a, a gray area with this one. Yeah, I. It's not. It wasn't as fun as like say a soap dish or something, but it it held up better than some of the other older movies yeah. that, that we've been pulling up. But yeah, you're you're. It's inessential, right? Like you can you can take it or leave it, folks. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think maybe, and this is maybe a, a prejudice on my part, but I think at the time this came out, all of the normal people liked it, and I think that's probably also why I don't like it. It's like anything where everybody likes it can't be that good. Were you, were you still well, working at the movie I mean, theater? There's, there's no way I'm going to go watch City Slickers again. Actually, actually, I rewatched it not very long ago, within the last like six months or so. It actually holds up better than this on the rewatch. I, I didn't like yeah, it City in the Slickers first place, to though. The Legend of Curly's Gold, where things <laughs> uh, really go off the rails. Oh, that reminds me, you guys will love this, because uh, like you do with big box office successes, uh, they had floated an idea or two for how to do a My Cousin Vinny 2, and one of them they had, uh, had actually talked about uh, Vinny Gambini practicing law in England. And it made me think of three men and a little lady. That would lady. make perfect sense. <laughs> oh, this boy. time, they're all Every sequel England. back then would go to England. Now, they're going to England. Wow. It was so dumb. I just couldn't imagine that. Like, like they, like, make Vinny wear the fucking wig and the barrister's robe oh, and the whole yeah. nine. I mean, it's just like, you could just see, like, the tone-deaf nonsense that would have to fall out of that thing. Just to make, to make it work, and it just, it just, I would almost pay money to see it, but good lord. Oh, it looked terrible. Oh, so. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, don't pay money to see it, and you know what? Don't pay money to listen to the Magnificently Huge podcast either. All you have to do is subscribe to it, and you'll hear it We're every still, week. Still commercial free. That's right. Because Which means no we make no money on to, this. Yeah. Yes. I mean, None. yeah. I mean, all the of- labor of love, people. So subscribe to it. Share on your social media feeds. Help us grow the show. Rate us on iTunes. And uh, if you want to reach out, go to our website, maghuge.com. M A G H U G E.com. You'll find links to our Twitter and our Instagram and blah, 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 blah. Email us at magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. And scene. <laughs>